Oh yeah, diggers. Hello, hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Macho Movie Man podcast. Last week, I uh, shared with you my top 20 favourite films of 2021. This time, this week, it's the other side of the coin. The top 10 worst movies of 2021, because I do not want to subject myself to 20 bad movies. So this will just be a top 10. I've got a couple honourable mentions in there. One or two movies that, while dreadful, were just not quite bad enough. Not notably bad enough to be on my top 10 list. But, um, yeah, this will be a... This will be a weird episode, guys. Hopefully it'll be a fun episode. Uh, fun to listen to. Uh, it'll make me remind, it'll remind me of these really bad movies, so it won't be a hell of a lot of fun for me, but, you know, swings and roundabouts in this job. But, um, before I, before I get started, I'd like to, uh, officially welcome you all to 2022. Um, we've got some plans on the horizon. Next week's episode is already booked and scheduled, and we will hopefully be getting that out to you on Tuesday. Uh, I won't tell you who the guest is or what the movie is, but um, it's going to be fun. It'll be, it's appropriate for what's coming out very soon, and I'm looking forward to it. We have a regular returning to the podcast for the first time in a little while. And yeah, so without further ado, shall we crack on with this list? Um, we will start with honor dishonorable mentions, because none of these films are honorable. Uh, first dishonorable mention goes to the Woman in the Window, which was a movie that dropped on on Netflix like a stone into water. Uh, I would say sometime in around May of twenty twenty one. This was like this was one of those movies that was. It definitely came out during a form of a lockdown, so maybe so and because I just it, it it's in a lockdown haze for me. But um, the woman in the window apparently it's based on a book. I've never read the book. I imagine the book is better though because. How can it be any worse than this? Um, Amy Adams needs to fire her lawyer for this. Not her lawyer, sorry. She needs to fire her agent. Uh, she needs to fire her agent because this is the th- second year in a row where I've had to mention her on this uh, worst list. This will not be the last time her name comes up, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, she deserves better than this. This whole cast deserves better than this movie. Yeah, this movie has Gary Oldman and Julianne Moore in it. You know, like, Adams, Oldman, Julianne Moore. These are all Oscar winner or Oscar caliber actors. And they all deserve much better material than this. This is a movie that's trying to be Hitchcock. But it's made by people who have never seen a Hitchcock film. They've either read the synopsis or they say they tell people they've listened, they've watched Hitchcock to sound smarter. I mean, seriously, about halfway through this movie, I'm thinking, I feel like if you asked 
the director, oh, what's your, oh, so what's your favorite um, Hitchcock movie? He's like, well, I haven't seen Rear Window, but I like that one with Shia LaBeouf in it, you know? This is a movie made by people who haven't seen Hitchcock, but they've seen the weaker attempts to copy his style, you know? It's it's just dreadful. Avoid it. Don't spend your money on it, even when it's your own Netflix subscription money. There are far better thrillers out there. Go watch The Invisible Woman from The Invisible Man from last year. Go watch you know, Malignant or something. Something at least fun. This is boring, this is bad, this is shite. Uh second honorable mention dishonorable mention goes to Outside the Wire, which was a film that dropped on Netflix around this time last year. It was the first new movie, new 2021 release that I saw in all of 2021. And the year can only go up from there as far as I'm concerned. Because it's a good thing Anthony Mackie now has Captain America to fall back on. Because his non-Marvel leading roles, if they're anything like this, then... Oh dear God, help that poor man. This movie isn't on the top 10 because it is too boring to remember enough of what happens on here. You know, like I disliked it, but I also have forgotten so much of it and have no desire to reacquaint myself with this movie because it is the definition of beige. There is nothing interesting going on with this movie. This movie, more than any other film in 2021, felt like it was a product of an algorithm as opposed to a creative mind. This was an alg- the Netflix algorithm thinking, oh, you like Terminator, right? You like Training Day, right? Well, what about Terminator and Training Day mashed together into a movie, guys? And they're just like, oh, what's what sounds cool? Um, that guy from that Marvel movie you like, yes, drones, yes, for of a war for some reason, like there's like this is such a bland movie. I like I said, I I I'm struggling to remember anything that happens in this movie. I mean, apparently it's set in the future. Like, you really wouldn't know, even if you watched the film. Like, it really is just, like, such minimal effort was give, was done. Nothing creative was brought on board. It really did just feel like this movie was created by the Netflix algorithm and the Netflix algorithm alone. And it, again, it's a waste of Anthony Mackie's talents as an actor. Because that guy can do so much and... Pretty much all of his work outside of Marvel really struggles to get that across. He is someone, again, who needs to pick better projects for himself. Uh, and the third dishonorable mention um, is Farda Christmas is Back. This was a film that I watched for as part of my Deck the Hallmarks series on Netflix, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and... It's it's it was one of the absolute worst things I had to watch in the month of December. And I watched a lot of bad things that month. You know, it's a movie that mistakes shouting for comedy. 
idiocy for humour and rich, entitled, spoiled, annoying people for supposedly likeable and relatable lead characters. You know? Like, when you make a movie where not even John Cleese can, can like, improve it a little bit in my eyes, you have completely failed. This, this film is a miss on so many grounds, from the humour, which never land, which feels sad, to not crafting a single character who is likeable, because they are all just annoying, shouty, selfish people. That's not funny. We don't want, we don't want entitled rich people being terrible to one another. You know, that's not what anyone would deem entertainment. And if you do deem that entertaining, then I don't know, maybe you're weird, maybe I'm weird. I don't know. But I just, I couldn't stand this, you know. When the funniest thing in your entire movie is an actor's look of shame in the opening credits because they know how bad this movie is. That is as serious a red flag as you can possibly get. You know? And, you know, this is a movie that's so inept, even in terms of writing, that they establish that uh, Kelsey Grammer's character used to have an English accent, but he never breaks it out. You know, like they set something up and they never bother to go back to it. That is just, that is just like such shit writing. Like no one in this movie gave a shit. This is a movie so, this is a comedy so bad that I was kind of expecting at the very end there to be a blooper reel. Because that is such a hallmark of like really bad comedy films. But I don't even think anyone enjoyed themselves making this enough for there to even be a blooper reel. You know, like this, this was just utter, utter trash. Um, but yeah, so now on to the top 10, unless there are any more honourable mentions, I shall just, um, check my list. Um, couple other, one or two other really bad films that just even missed out on, uh, dishonourable mentions, um. Things Heard and Seen, a movie that put me to sleep. Thunder Force, which proves that, you know, even when uh, Octavia Spencer is cast in a role that isn't just the supportive black friend, uh, even she can't make Melissa McCarthy funny when she has to work, when she gets to work with her husband as director. Um, a Week Away, which was the most cringeworthy Christian summer camp musical I have ever seen. It's a movie that makes Camp Rock look like both versions of West Side Story. Um, and then there's something inside your house, a movie that was, that was trying to be Scream, until it took a direction that made me want to scream to the heavens in curse words, Homer Simpson style. But yeah, those are one or two other quick honorable mentions. Um, so we shall get into the rankings now. At number 10, we have Red Notice, which was a really big Netflix release in November, apparently. They say the numbers were great. This, it did not deserve the numbers that it got. Red Notice, it was one of, Red Notice is one of those movies where I could have easily seen 
that a trailer for it play at the opening of Tropic Thunder. It is a fake movie trailer that somehow managed to get made into a multi-million dollar budgeted blockbuster. Despite the fact that no one in this movie treats what's happening like it's a blockbuster. Everyone treats it like the most normal, average, barely giving a shit day at the office imaginable. You know? Like, it's a movie with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. Enough modern star power to light up a fucking galaxy. And no one seems interested in doing anything other than phoning it in. The Rock is just The Rock, you know? It's, it's, it might be like the most egregious case of him just doing his usual, oh, I'm The Rock, I'm, I'm big muscle man, uh, bland action hero guy. But like, he'll never do an R-rated action movie because he, because, you know, he's always, they always wanted him to appeal to like as many demographics as possible, even though, you know, he should be doing R-rated movies. He should be letting himself be that action hero that he kind of is for this generation because in the 80s and 90s folks like him the guys who would have been like him back then Arnie and Stallone were doing R-rated movies and maybe it's a gen maybe it's a say generational thing but you know let him do an R-rated movie let him be the action hero that we all want to see him as this isn't that this is him phoning it in, doing his usual shtick of muscle guy to bounce off a funnier co-lead, that being Ryan Reynolds, who is, again, he's doing a variation of Deadpool. You know, this is literally, this is the same character that he does for the Hitman's Bodyguard movies, you know, and at least this year, that movie was a little bit better than Red Notice, you know? It's like, and there was just this really annoying sense of The Rock and Ryan Reynolds were really trying to be this established comedy duo when they're not, you know? Like, they were trying to make, oh, The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, they're Hollywood's new odd comedic couple. They were just trying so desperately to make that happen and forcing it on us. And for me, it just felt really phony. And again, it's it's the same... Ryan Reynolds you'll see in Hitman's Bodyguard. It's the same Ryan Reynolds you'll see in Free Guy. They're all just doing that Deadpool shtick, but without the R rating and the cursing and the Deadpoolisms of Deadpool, you know? And that is getting extremely long in the tooth for me. Maybe this movie would have been better if it hadn't been for the fact that, yes, it's three different actors who were all starting to get a bit long in the tooth with. Gal Gadot especially, because I genuinely don't think Gal Gadot as an actress can do anything other than just Wonder Woman. You know, like she is, there is almost nothing different between her performance here and her performance in the Wonder Woman movie other than that she doesn't break out the Wonder Woman costume at any time. You know, she's trying to be a villain, but she never comes across like a villain because she just acts like Gal Gadot does in every movie. And I do genuinely think while The Rock and Ryan Reynolds are just phoning it in, I just think maybe Gal Gadot isn't as that good of an actress. 
she's really good as Wonder Woman, but all she can do is Wonder Woman. So, there's that. But yeah, this movie, everyone involved, everyone acting wise, is phoning it in, and the director is phoning it in as well because there's so many action set pieces which are just weaker versions of different things that we have seen in recent films. Like there's a prison break scene in this, which is the weaker version of the prison break sequence in Black Widow. There's jungle sequences that feel like a rip, uh, a knockoff of the Jumanji movies. You know, like there's a, there's oh there's so many th- scenes or um, when you have stars like this and I and I'm struggling to remember action sequences from the movie. You know, that's a bad sign when all your action sequences are either cheap imitations of John Wick movies or Marvel movies or other rock jungle movies. Like, that is a really bad sign. And, yeah, this movie didn't deserve to have the viewing success that it did on Netflix. And that does annoy me, you know? It really was that flip of the coin. Yes, Box yes, box office give us with uh with Dune's success and then take it away, with uh the success of Red Notice, but yeah, like this this movie just sucked donkey balls. It shouldn't have. This should have been a fun time. This should have been a really fun movie that you can watch on RT on a Wednesday night or, on a late night Friday movie or whatever, on a Channel Four, but. It's not, and it's going to be a movie that you're either going to watch, you know, in the background on Netflix, not paying attention, or it's going to be on film four constantly for years in, like, a shitty time slot. But yeah, just this movie really irritated me because it should have been so much better, and it's one of the most disappointing things I saw all year because, again, I wanted to like this movie. But I just really didn't. At number nine, it was a good year for animated films this year, but we also did get the Boss Baby too, Family Business. And there's one thing that I cannot stand when a sequel does, and that is when they just repeat everything that happened in the first movie, just in the most lazy fashion imaginable. You know, like in the first movie, oh, the boss baby is still a baby. And now, but now he's grown up in the sequel, but he's turned back into a baby, you know. And it's it's a movie that just reeks. It has such a pong to it of we wanted to make a cash grab sequel. So they made a cash grab sequel. With stupid, annoying characters, bland animation, a voice cast which really could not be asked to be there. Alec Baldwin is just collecting a check. It's naughty. It doesn't even have that first film's weirdness to it. The first film was this weird mindfuck, you know, what is going on? This movie is kind of demented and fucked in the head. This movie isn't... The sequel is not fucked in the head. It is just a lazy cash grab to a movie that wasn't even that good to begin with. This was just a desperate attempt to keep a franchise going when it shouldn't have been a franchise at all. 
And it hurts because they have Jeff Goldblum playing a villain. And he's boring. He is an uninteresting character. When you make Jeff Goldblum on screen in any form, whether it be live action or animated, and you make him boring, that is a sin in my eyes. That is an unforgivable sin. And for that reason, this is number nine. Because it just this movie's existence irritates me. What what it says, it doesn't say anything really, but it just it's an it's annoying on a level of like a minions movie, like this is minions level animation annoying. This is these are the kinds of films that do the genre of animation such injustice because these are the films that give animation the reputation of. Oh, well, it's just mindless distractions for kids for for about 90 minutes or so when it's not, you know, animation can be so much more than Boss Baby 2. So for that reason, it's at my number nine. At number eight. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I apologize because I know I have friends who love this musical. I have a friend who is a regular on the show who has... He's half defended it. He said I was a little bit tough on this movie, but I felt the way that I feel. And considering the fact that this is only in number eight is uh, maybe a little bit lenient on my part. But um, yeah, it's Dear Evan Hansen, the most misguided musical since Cats. And while it is a better movie than Cats, because it's not a nightmare fueled a satanic pit of a film. It's still a bad movie that is torpedoed by some horrendous decisions that manage to kill off any chance of this movie being good in spite of the fact that there's a lot of good performances here. If it hadn't have been for certain really, really bad choices, I don't think this film would have been as good as, you know, and in the heights or a tick tick boom or a west side story but i think it would have been okay it could have been on an everybody's talking about jamie level but they made the choices that they did they hired ben platt to play the character despite the fact that ben platt looks like a 30 year old man every single time you know who dresses like he's and like he's got a knockoff blues clues host costume for Halloween. And there's only one term that can use to be described the lead character's behavior in this, and that is emotional terrorism. I cannot point out a more reprehensible, awful, scumbag main character in any movie this year than Evan Hansen. Because the his behavior is just he terrorizes a family, a grieving family, because he doesn't have any friends, because he's awkward, because he wants to bang their daughter. Like there's so there's a lot of choices here that I just cannot defend. And I won't defend. And even beyond the character choices, just as a musical, as a film adaptation of a musical. This makes so many mistakes that it didn't need to, you know? The fact that, you know, so many of the sequen musical sequences are 
boring. People just sat in one spot singing directly at the camera. You know? Like, in a year where we've had West Side Story and, you know, gangs singing while battering the shit out of each other on basketball courts. And Tick, Tick, Boom, where people are singing in diners in, like, endgame... In, in, like, the endgame... And in the endgame third act version for, like, theatre nerds. Or in the Heights, where people are having musical sequences in swimming pools and on, on, on standing on rooftops and walls and singing, you know? This movie, it's like, oh... Two people just in a park at night sat on a swing. They don't get up off the swing. They just sit there and they sing. And, you know, they sing at a dinner table. And it's like, no, like, this year we've had so many vibrant musical sequences numbers. That the shit here, it just doesn't fly. Especially when, you know, this is a stage adaptation musical. So, like. It it just doesn't make sense as to why the sequences are just so dull, you know. And like I said, there's some really good performances here. Caitlin Dever's really good. Amy Adams does her best. So does Julianne Moore. It pains me to put either of them two on the list as many times as I do. But I just can't see past the horrendous way the main character is written. Because he's the main character. If he's... If he's done poorly, then the entire movie suffers. And when he is an emotional terrorist, the entire movie really suffers. You know? Like, it's... It's just... It, it, the, and, the, and how they try to discuss the topics of mental health and suicide are just so out of touch, you know? This feels like... Something that, you know, it feels like this movie is 20 or 25 years behind the curb on where we are in that situation now. Like, where we are as a society and how we view these issues now are so far ahead of where this movie thinks we are. You know, this is a movie where they try to get across the idea, oh, if not enough people like this page or if not enough people donate to this GoFundMe for an, a random fucking orchard then no one is going to care about mental health like what there's so many stupid ways of tackling really sensitive subject matter and all this movie does is the stupid ways around it you know and it's a movie where it's like it's either they just are so misguided in how they want to approach it or they re they don't care about the message as much as they should, you know? It's like, is this movie tackling it right? No, but it also feels like, does this movie even want to tackle it correctly? I really can't tell. All I know is that this was such a disappointment because, again, it's been a fantastic year for musicals. And this comes along and, you know, it's not a, it's not as bad as Cats, but it kind of, it reminds you that, you know, musicals can be so hit and miss sometimes. And this was just such a miss on so many levels, you know. They can't even get, they can't even get the lead actor to act like he's in a movie as opposed to on a stage. 
because even his acting is just horrendous and like his singing is off is off kilter with like the movie you know like this is a stage performance on a screen as opposed to an adaptation of a stage performance into an on-screen performance and yeah just just so many so many issues i would uh uh, there's a video on it that I'm going to uh, type up now because I can't remember the name of the reviewer, but um, she's terrific. Um, yes, Jenny Nicholson. If y'all want to really understand what I'm saying about this movie and why I have the problems that I have with it, go and watch Jenny Nichols. Yeah, Jenny Nicholson's a. Uh, review of this movie i i know it's it's like an hour and 17 minutes but um it really gets to the heart of what this movie's problems are because i've got more movies to talk about and i don't talk about dear evan hansen anymore so um i would recommend checking that out if you want more details on like why this hot mess of a movie became the way that it was but um we're moving on we're moving on at number seven we have the little things which maybe some of you don't remember i fully understand if you don't remember because this movie came and went with a wet fart in early january of last year um this was a serial killer drama starring denzel washington rami malik and jared leto and the fact that this movie is anywhere near this list when you have those three guys involved is a crime you know, like it, like it breaks my heart to put Denzel on this list. But even he can't save this movie. Him and Rami Malek can't save it. Malek's performance is a bit iffy. Jared Leto stinks up the goddamn joint. And to this day, I have no idea how he managed to get so many awards nominations for this film. When he brings this movie down so much, you know, I could have, you know, I could have put House of Gucci on this list. That was a disappointment for me. But, you know, there was enough there with Lady Gaga and Adam Driver to save that movie from being anywhere near this list. But Jared Leto torpedoed more than one movie this year. He torpedoed this. This movie, that it's like, it's a movie that I imagine was written around the time when Seven became big. When it just was, everyone was trying to be Seven. And this is like, negative Seven. This is, this is a bad movie. It's boring. How do you make a surefire hit out of the park hit like, you know, like it's serial killers and it's got such a great cast. How do you make a movie boring and unsatisfying and ultimately feel like a waste of time? You make the little things. The best thing in this movie is a joke about eight minutes in where Denzel Washington's police officer character gets called to a restaurant because to a restaurant called Blank Black Angus because someone has uh broken the G sign on the outside so the shop so it looks like the name of the restaurant is Black Anus when that is the highlight of the movie something has gone really wrong it's such a boring movie that you think is going somewhere and then it just doesn't and then it ends like, it is one of the most unsatisfying movies I've, I think I've ever seen. Like, it's a movie 
that it had me kind of invested and then Jared Leto turns up in a fat suit and he keeps acting like he's in a different movie. He acts like he's overdosed on acting pills and yeah and then once he shows up the movie starts going downhill and then it keeps going downhill and then it hits the bottom of the mountain and then it just farts it it, it lets off a fat sad fart and blows up and so the ending was it's a horrendous ending like it starts with potential it keeps having potential and then that potential just lets out like air out of a balloon and again it is just it's it's kind of tragic so yes the little things is at number seven once again i do not recommend at number six we have tom and jerry because why was there a tom and jerry live action movie made why did no why did no one realize that tom and jerry as a format is just not built not designed for a feature length movie because a feature length movie has to be anywhere between like 55 minutes and 60 something minutes and tom and jerry's sweet spot was it's it's a five six minute cartoon of a cat and a mouse beating each other up basically but you can't extend that beyond that time it just becomes one note and so when you have just that structural core problem with adapting a property they then made so many other terrible choices setting it in the real world because for some reason all film adaptations of classic cartoons have to take place in the real world apparently so you have this really jarring tom and jerry animated form in real life new york you have this terrible subplot about a hotel and chloe grace moretz who i'm a big fan of has she drowns in this she drowns in how bad this movie is and yes it's it's like the worst knockoff of sweet life isn't that Sweet Life is Black and Cody, but with Tom and Jerry sequences sprinkled in every now and again. And they're not even good sequences. They literally, they're just, they, so un, uninteresting and nothing going on, you know? And, they, and they're over just in a snap. So it's like, I, I feel like there's like less than 20 minutes of actual tom and jerry shenanigans everything else is just this really formulaic really bland really bad oh this hotel staff worker who wants to work at a hotel but you know her job is always on the line and she has to lie about who she is and just awful awful shenanigans it's like it's like sweet life of zach and cody but if they made Mosby less interesting and also the main character and also the main villain for some reason and there's also a really pointless wedding that you don't care about there's so much going on in this movie that you don't care about and it overshadows the actual Tom and Jerry stuff so much that you don't even care about Tom and Jerry in the end and then again there's the issue of Tom and Jerry should not be a movie because it is a cartoon about animals 
fighting and hitting each other and torturing each other, usually for about five minutes a day, you know, on like a cartoon network or something. So it's like that formula just about works for a 10 minute cartoon show. It doesn't work for a movie because you need more than that. And there's nothing else to Tom and Jerry other than the violence. So this movie was always going to be doomed to be bad. But I just did not expect it to be as bad as it is. It's really bad. Don't don't avoid it at all cost. Especially if Tom and Jerry is something that you have some form of a connection to via childhood. This is just one of those movies. Avoid it. Don't, don't give it any money because it'll just make them think they can do keep doing these movies and they really shouldn't. So avoid it at all cost. So, okay, top five time, folks. These are the five worst movies that I had to sit through and watch this year. Uh, all for the pleasure of telling you guys to avoid them. Uh, at number five, this was the most, most pretentious, obnoxious, up-its-own-hole movie I've seen, not only this year, but in a very long time. And that would be uh, Malcolm and Marie, which uh, re- was released on Netflix, I think in, would have been, yeah, for about February. Um, It's from director Sam Levinson, who... He's worked on Euphoria, he's worked on Assassination Nation, which I did enjoy, but apparently there was one critic who worked for, I think, like the LA Times or whatever, some LA-based newspaper, who didn't like Assassination Nation, so his response to it was to shove his own head so incredibly far up his own asshole and make this movie which is about 100 minutes of two people fighting for no real reason in black and white for no real reason, no real reason and features a scene where John David Washington eats macaroni and cheese in the most upsetting eating scene this side of Denifor eating a tomato in Return of the King. It is truly disgusting and it kept me awake for many a night after seeing it. I don't want to see anyone eat macaroni and cheese like that. Don't be a dick to macaroni and cheese. Eat it like a normal, sane, decent human being who is not a sociopath. Um, but yeah, this movie just irritated me because there's an entire section of the film just dedicated to, you know, shooting down critics. And, you know, he openly discusses about how one female critic didn't like you know, the main characters, I think he's a, he's a playwright or a filmmaker and one female critic didn't like his work so he just goes off on her while drinking out on the patio. And there's just such a sense of pettiness to it all that just grinded my gears because it's like, yeah, one person didn't like your work. Fuck off. It, it's just one person. You still got to make a movie with two of the biggest stars out there, you know, like fucking Zendaya is in this movie and she's one of the best things in it. Like, I don't blame either of the two actors. They're both solid. Zendaya, I think her role was a bit too mature for where I can kind of see her currently. 
Like, I can still see her as, like, an adult character, but that this role was just maybe a little bit too adult. Maybe that that's just me talking, but, um... And, yeah, and I like John David Washington, you know? But neither of them were doing any justice by this movie. It's so pretentious, and it's in black and white for no reason. I'm, disco- I'm realising this, like, annoying trend of movies shooting and releasing in black and white just to look more artsy and more prestigious and just like oh take us seriously look we're a serious film because we're in black and white that's some shit that i would see in film school do you want to know why i'd see that in film school because i fucking did that for a documentary in second year i shot it in black and white oh you know it was first year and obviously it looked terrible in the end but like Stop doing films in black and white that don't need to be in black and white. It is not... It does not make your movie look special. It does not make it look smarter or more intelligent or more sophisticated. It just makes you think, oh, I'm someone who is too stupid to not follow trends, you know? Like, there's just a few movies that I'm just kind of like, you don't need to be in black and white. This is the biggest offender of that, you know? And I don't dislike black and white films. I like black and white when used properly. Tragedy of Macbeth. It works. Passing. It worked. Here, it did not work. But yeah, this is not a film that made me feel like I was wasting my time. And, you know, time on this earth is precious. I don't need to spend it listening to two characters bitch and moan at each other for no reason. Being petty little assholes to one another constantly you know you're just watching a toxic relationship for no discernible reason because neither of them change by the end of the movie it is just oh look at these two attractive people who are terrible to one another let's watch this for a hundred minutes and and it go nowhere and have no resolution or end messaging or any fucking reason for being other than this guy wants to complain about a critic who said something mean about his movie you know just utter utter dog shit and it really got under my skin you know and that's going to be something that happens with a lot of this uh, top five list these are movies that really just clicked my hate button and this maybe is the weakest, but when you see the other films that are on here, you know, this This is still a bad movie. Avoid it. Don't waste your time. At number four, Jesus fucking Christ, Home Sweet Home Alone. You know there's been some absolutely appalling trash this year when this movie only makes it to number four. When a Home Alone sequel... Uh, reboot that completely shits on everything that the franchise stood for it's only the fourth film on the list this movie is terrible this movie they they work it into where it takes place in the same universe as the first two and it it's made by people who clearly never saw the first home alone never wanted to see it didn't care about it, didn't care about maintaining any sense of respect for it because you you tie it in for just the simple reason of, oh, look, there's a funny little nod there. Oh, Kevin went into the security business and 
Buzz became a cop and oh ha ha they left him home alone twice. Let's just say that so we completely kill the uh, the main hook of what made that first movie special which was the one in a million chance of a kid being left home alone you openly say that this has happened multiple times so it is no longer special it is just something that happens and you take away all of the magic from that fucking premise you make the kid a little asshole like i and i don't mean any disrespect to archie yates who plays the main kid he was brilliant in jojo rabbit he was Flipping great in Jojo Rabbit. I love him in that movie. He is a talented young actor. But his character he has written like the worst kind of kid character. Annoying little white privilege asshole. Who just, you know, treats the robbers like shit. But the fact is they don't even get the robbers right. The main reason why the first... A big reason why the first film worked was because the villains were the right sort of cartoon characters for this premise. You know, these are characters where, yes, I want to see them have their heads set on fire and be tormented by tarantulas and step on Legos and broken glass and slip on ice, you know. But here, they make the they make the burglars the main characters and their two parents who are in financial difficulty and it's like, oh... They're trying to break into this house to save themselves and their children from financial ruin. They want to save their house, you know. Oh, I hope these vil... Oh, let's laugh at these poor people trying to stave off homelessness. Let's laugh at them while we play all these tricks on them. You, it was fun when Joe Pesci would fall down on ice and burn his hand and get his head set on fire. Because he's Joe Pesci in a kid's film being this slimy burglar character. You know, he's not... He's all, he's trying not to swear, which is, looking back now, is incredibly funny trying to watch Joe Pesci not swear in a kid's film. But, like, you don't relate to the wet bandits. You dislike them. You enjoy disliking them. You You like to hate them. Here, you want to root for them. But they're suffering this entire movie. So do we cheer when the when the traps go off? They've made a Home Alone movie where you don't want to see the traps go off. You have broken the formula. You have put that formula in a toilet and you have taken a shit on it. And I do not understand why. Even if this was just the most basic repeat do-over nonsense of the first film at least you would have left made a movie where okay there's some enjoyment to be had in watching these pranks go watching them slip on ice watching them be shot by nerf darts down stairways and hit with paint cans and stuff but like no this movie doesn't even have that you take away the most basic ass fucking thing of enjoyment that these movies have even when they're stupid and bad you take that and you get rid of that because why are we root why are we rooting for two people who need to break into this house to steal something that they think is there from losing their house while this stuck up rich fucking asshole kid just 
goes about his fucking time. You know, it's missing all the heart. It's missing all the charm. It is just a soulless, empty, vacuous piece of shit. Let's try and remake this for the sake of remaking it. And then we'll even be so fucking bold as to put in a scene where someone literally says, Oh, why do they remake the classics? They're always bad when they remake the classics. How fucking dare you put that in there and then make this goddamn movie? And yes, I am very pissed off about this because we should not be having more Home Alone movies in 2021. Make something new for fuck's sake or at least don't mess with the fucking classics. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm done talking about this movie. I want to pretend it never existed. This is a travesty. This is an abomination. Avoid it. And yet there's three more movies that are even worse. At number three, we have music. Honestly, I cannot think of a more misjudged movie. Maybe Cats. But this is just so many levels of why did you make that choice? Why are you doing it this way? Uh, your heart may have been in the right place, Sia, at some point, but you've strayed so far off the path that you cannot save this. Music was a film that courted controversy very early on this year because it was the directorial debut of the act of the singer Sia about a girl with uh, autism and she managed to piss off the entire artistic community and I can fully understand why because this movie really does not understand autism at all and it is so tone deaf in its lack of understanding that it becomes this like car crash masterpiece of just ill-timed bad taste like you have autism which you know you know I mean, I'm not going to go into, like, my understanding of autism because I know I don't understand it enough to fully get across why this movie misses the bar so much. But the fact that you make this movie about a severely autistic character and then half of the movie is just music videos for Sia songs, all done with such, with that same kind of flashy lighting that you've seen a lot of Sia music videos like for Chandelier or The Greatest or whatever. So none of these sequences can realistically be watched by someone with autism because it will make them have a goddamn seizure. Because I know because there was so much flashing lights and bright colours and shit that I almost had a fucking seizure at one point watching it because... Oh, this is a movie that claims to be about uh, autism but it is just the most shameless plug for Sia's new album in the form of a movie and like if she wanted to just make a musical of some kind that was a shameless plug for her album I would not have minded but the fact that you manage to somehow make this try and make this about a serious condition where a lot of people suffer from it and there's a lot of sensitivity around it from people within that community and you manage to just give them such a massive middle finger and do it in a way where this isn't even a good movie. This isn't even an entertaining movie. This is a movie 
with really bad writing, with really bad characters, with unlikable characters, with a character who has one of the worst African accents I think I've heard in a very, very, very long time. It is just such a missed shot, so off the mark. This is, you know, you've aimed for the bullseye and you've somehow shot a guy on the other side of the barrow in the arm with the dirt. It, you know, it's a movie where, you know, the main actress had to come out and say she was uncomfortable doing it. You know? And to quote Tropic Thunder, and I don't mean this in any negative sense, so please no one take this as me, you know, saying anything derogatory about um people who with uh, mental illness, with disabilities. This movie goes full retard in the worst possible way. This is simple this is simple jack levels of going full retard. And you never go full retard. If anyone wants to know why don't you go full retard in a movie, fucking music, that's why. Because this movie is an atrocious piece of shit and we should not be having to deal with stuff like this in this day and age. <sighs> so yeah, so music was my number three. At number two, you know, because number, I always thought, oh, my number one is always going to be what it is. But number two came very fucking close to being number one. And that is a movie that was so bad, so insidiously bad from just the, from its blood and its DNA. So vapid and shameless and downright insidious and harmful to younger audiences that it it really did almost be the worst movie of the year and that is Netflix's He's All That. We really didn't need a remake to the 90s cheesy classic She's All That, you know, because that movie was of its time. You know, you didn't need to remake it even the people involved said you pr- it wouldn't work if you remade it today. Times have changed. The culture has changed. A movie where a character, you know, gets a gets a guy or gets a girl because that girl has gone through a makeover to be more socially acceptable. It just that won't work nowadays. It worked in the nineties because the nineties were weird, and yes, it was problematic. As much as I hate to use the word. It was the 90s and people didn't care enough, pretty much. So in the light of modern day, it looks bad. But this movie was as bad as that, but made in the current day. So it looks even worse because someone thought, yeah, no, look at this script. Look at this story. Yeah, that's going to work. And it didn't. It was It was such a circle jerk for that terrible fucking influencer YouTube Instagram culture that is so dangerous because young people will see this and think, oh, that's that's what I need to do. I need to, you know, change myself. Because at the end of the day, this movie is, oh, this person places a bet. This girl played by Alison Ray or Alison whatever the fuck her name is. She was on TikTok. I don't think she's human. Because nothing about this performance says to me the person giving it 
was a human that was created through sex or out of a womb. She just feels like an android that was made to do TikTok dances. You know? So, like, there's nothing human about the performance. She basically takes fucking Robbie from Cobra Kai, who deserves so much better than this movie, takes him and essentially gives him a makeover because, oh, he's artsy. He takes photographs. He likes Japanese films. And, yo, oh, I'm just going to make you over into this, you know, social media friendly bland nothing guy and you know what the makeover happens and you know it all comes out and oh woe is me and oh she learned her lesson so she's gonna stop being this instagram perfect tiktok oh i need to be perfect everything fake fake face fake everything personality oh i'm gonna not do that and then at the end of it she still fucking is that like Nothing about this movie is sincere, realistic, in any way genuine. And it is such an insult to so many ways of just how society should be, you know? Like, this is, as I said, it's a circle jerk for the worst elements and the worst mentalities of the youth culture of today. And I don't want to and I don't want to sound like that because I'm 24 I should not I still I'm technically the youth of today but you know I have no fucking real clue how TikTok is what it is so but yeah like this is going to be so harmful to younger generations and I just I hate this movie for that I hate how this movie is written there were so many atrocious lines of dialogue there was a line of dialogue where you know, she's asked, the main character is asking the main guy's sister, oh, what's he into? Oh, he likes Kubrick and Kurosawa and karate films. And she just says, oh, that's a lot of K's. What the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? Just nonsensical, stupid, fucking terrible writing. And then add on to that the fact that Matthew Lillard, they man, I don't know how much they fucking paid him. I hope he gave his check to charity because God damn it, I no matter how much they pay me, I would not feel any sense of pride in taking that check. He is main. His only role in there is to be ha ha. Look at this old guy. Look at how he doesn't understand how the world works now. You know, this is a movie where Courtney Kardashian has a cameo. And is credited as an actress. That's how terrible this is. They gave a Kardashian, of all people, a fucking acting credit on IMDb. You know, it's shameful, that is. Um, And yeah, just so many bad things about this movie. It's not even well made. Like, there's an entire, there's a scene where our main character is singing. And by the way, it is fucking cringe. But also, at one point, her arm goes up and her arm disappears from screen because of how terrible the editing is. Like, it just, it disappears behind the green screen background that looks so fucking phony. So obvious and phony. So it's not even well put together from an editorial editing look-wise. And and then there's just a massive, you know, easy to dislike this film because... 
they managed to close down an entire COVID vaccine site to shoot a really stupid train station sequence that could have literally been said anywhere fucking else that you could people watch. But no, they have to shut down this testing facility for an entire couple days, for an entire day, just so this stupid, terrible movie that should not have been made, that no one should watch, that should not have seen the light of day, that is just disgusting and insidious and terrible and just like, do not show people this because it, it tells people all the wrong things that they need to hear. It tells young people all the worst messages. It's going to make the next generation worse than this one because you know what? They've been raised on terrible bullshit like this that is unhealthy, that is toxic, that I just, I hate on just such a personal level. I hate everything that this movie stands for. And in any other year, it would be my number one, but it's not because this year there was one other movie that was so insulting, that was so devoid of morals, that was so clinically and in its bone marrow, just so evil a concept, so disrespectful, so utterly, utterly terrible taste, bad evil thinking of like why would any human mind think that this is a good idea why would you think this is an okay thing to do i mean make whatever movie you want but the fact that this movie was pushed at all or was greenlit by any studio i know it wasn't you know it was a it was a terrible new right-wing site that took it up but the fact that this movie got made just makes me incredibly sad. It's a movie called Run, Hide, Fight, which is basically, let's do a shitty, shitty knockoff of Die Hard, but instead of, you know, in just a normal building that's being taken over by terrorists or on a plane or on some form of transport or anything, let's set it in a school during a school shooting. Let's make Die Hard as a school shooting. What an evil motherfucker do you have to be to make that premise, given the fact that there is a school shooting almost daily in the US at this point. Like, every state in that country has seen a school shooting. You know? And it has become such a regular occurrence that it is no longer, like, big news when it happens. you got to kill enough people in one for it to even make a big splash, news-wise. Like, it is such a hereditary problem in the states that when you make a movie that behaves the way this movie does it's just so gross it's so disrespectful to the fact to the many lives that are lost every year to school shootings you know and the fact that this is a right-wing movie like this was made by right-wing people it was picked up by the daily wire which is um fucking Ben Shapiro's news company. Oh, I can't even with some of, with these people. And the fact that, it, you know, this was pushed like, oh, this is this conservative action movie that the me mainstream media don't want you to see. Don't see this, not just because of its totally disgusting premise, its disgusting political views, its the worst fucking 
Yeah, it it doesn't condemn school shootings because it all it does is mock the protocols in place that schools have when school shootings take place. Like like most of this movie is just Oh, don't follow these rules. They're stupid. Ha ha, look at them stupid rules. As opposed to, why do they need to have these stu- these rules in there at all? It doesn't address the gun problem. It doesn't address the lack of mental health services. It's just, oh, these people are bad guys, but you shouldn't follow the rules. You should You should go in and be John McClane in your own school and... Fight these people and kill them and be a fucking psychopath yourself. Because at the end of the end of the film, the main character becomes a fucking psychopath. You know? Like in, in Die Hard, John McClane doesn't kill the terrorists because oh you know like like at the end of this film, the main character drops a massive fucking rock on the main shooter's head after, you know, the day has been saved after everyone's been let out. This is just hunting them like a wild animal, you know. Whereas in Die Hard, you know, no one he doesn't kill anyone unless that person has a gun and is like directly trying to kill them. This is her just like, oh, the guy is wounded. The guy is probably gonna bleed out anyway. I'm just gonna kill him for the fucking crack. Like it's just, it's such. A gross, disgusting little movie. And you know what? Beyond how unbelievably evil it is on so many levels, it's also really fucking stupid. When the school shooting starts, the shooters drive a fucking van through the wall into the cafeteria of the school and the main character is in the closest bathroom to the cafeteria. But she doesn't hear any of it, either the car going in or the multiple rounds of gunfire that set off when they start shooting at people. And you know why she can't hear it? Because she's using the fucking hand dryers. Because in this movie, they want us to believe that the sound of a hand dryer in the bathroom is louder than the sound of a van being driven through a building and gunfire. It's so dumb. And the fact that no one else in the school can hear any of this when it's in the building. When I was in school, if someone yelled loud enough down the hallway, you could hear them from the other end of the end of the building. I have no I have no doubt that if you fired a gun, someone could hear it from the other end of the building. But like no one can hear it in a fucking classroom halfway down the building. It's it's just so goddamn ridiculous. And, like, that is why, even if it was somehow, like, a really well-made action film, you know, maybe I could have given it half props for being that. But it's not. It's a terrible, stupid, die-hard rip-off in the worst sense. Because it's not entertaining. It's not fun. It's got a Mary Sue character, which is the only kind of funny thing about it because this is it's made by people who would have absolutely given out stink about Ray being a Mary Sue or any female character being a Mary Sue you know this is one of those films where it's like oh you know it's like oh look we're progressive Er a fucking female Er lead is a female character it's like well no she is literally a Mary Sue more than any other character who's ever been called a Mary Sue before but like Oh, 
I don't want to keep talking about it because it just boils my blood even thinking about it. This might be one of my most hated movies ever because I just disagree with it on a political level. As a critic, just watching it as a movie, I disagree with it on that. I disagree with it as a human being who thinks that, you know, you know, have fucking decorum for the victims of murders... And it's just a terrible movie that I hate on so many levels. Do not watch it. If 2022 delivers us a movie that I have any way the level of fucking vitriol for as Run, Hide, Fight, then God, this will be a very long year because I really don't want to hate a movie like I hate this movie ever again in my life. I don't want to ex- I don't want to meet a person or do a thing that I hate as much as this. You know? I would rather I would rather take a colonoscopy from fucking Wolverine than ever watch this movie again. And with that, I shall call time on this very sweary, very shouty, very expletive heavy uh list. Um, I shall be back next week with our next episode. Uh, until then, thank you very much. I uh, hope you're having a good 2022 so far. Um, I look forward to getting back to the normal schedule, normal episodes next week. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye and good night.